Hey, Bible, y'all. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Y'all podcast for Saturday, March 2nd. Happy International Rescue Cat Day, which I got to tell you, I've never been rescued by a cat, but that sounds like a way cool superhero. That's a Marvel movie I might go see. Today is also National Old Stuff Day, which is another one we might just as easy call Bible Y'all Paul Day. That's right, I heard you. Old Stuff Day is a time to appreciate all things old, antique, and vintage. For something to be considered an antique, it's got to be at least 100 years old. For it to be considered vintage, it's got to be at least 30 years old. I'm not quite antique yet, but I blew past vintage a long time ago. You can celebrate Old Stuff Day by going to museums or just listening to me talk on the internet. Old Stuff Day is also a day to try new things, which seems counterintuitive, but nobody asked me. The idea is, when somebody asks what's new, to have something to say besides, oh, the same old stuff. When I was younger, I liked going out to new places and trying new stuff and carousing and such, but not no more. Like Billy C. Wirt says, I used to hang out where all the rock and rollers play. Now, if I'm out past eight, they best have a heck of a buffet. But Old Stuff Day is also a day to get rid of all the old stuff you've been hanging on to but don't need anymore, which seems a little dark and ageist, but I don't think they talking about your grandma or your spouse. Probably more stuff like resentments and anger, holding grudges and such. Stuff that prevents you from reconciling with your family, or worse, God. Really, I think it's more about just cleaning out your garage and getting rid of what you don't need. And if any of that happens to be woodworking tools, a pickup truck, hunting gear, or a suitcase full of cash, send me an email. We'll figure something out. Our reading for today is Leviticus 25:47 through 27:13, Mark 10, 32-52, Psalm 45, 1-17, and Proverbs 10, 22. So if y'all are ready, this sounds like a job for Rescue Cat. But before we get to the reading, let's me and the squad do a review of yesterday's study. Okay, so yesterday, on the 1st, in the Old Testament, we read Leviticus 24, 1-25-46. And that starts out with more instructions for the priests. The oil lamps and the tabernacle were supposed to stay lit at all times, and this was Aaron's responsibility. But the other priests could get in on it too. And in verse 5 it says, And thou shalt take fine flour, and bake twelve cakes thereof. Two-tenth deals shall be in one cake. And two-tenth deals was about six and a quarter pounds of flour in each cake. Unleavened, so it's not as big as it could be, but still, that's a lot of bread. Like a six-pound tortilla, kind of. And they had to bake twelve of them. And this whole tabernacle thing is starting to sound like a lot of work. Yep. And every Sabbath, so once a week on Saturday, he shall set it in order before the Lord continually, being taken from the children of Israel by an everlasting covenant. It was one cake for each tribe of Israel, basically. And it shall be Aaron's and his sons, and they shall eat it in the holy place, which is a lot of bread to eat. <laughs> but there was a lot of priests, too. Mm-hmm. So, And then we pause for a little bit of history. Apparently, this guy, whose mom was Jewish and his dad was Egyptian, got in a fight with a full-blooded Israeli. And the Israelitish woman's son blasphemed the name of the Lord and cursed. So they brought him before Moses, and Moses takes it to the Lord, and the ruling is stone him, execute him. And Exodus 21 and 22, they mention laws against blasphemy, but this is the first actual enactment of one. And I guess this is the first time it came up, so that's why they took this occasion. Like I always say, don't start nothing, won't be nothing. 
Well, somebody started something, so now there's something. And that's why the Pharisees wanted to kill Jesus so bad, because they thought he was blaspheming by claiming to be God, which if it was anybody else, it would be. So after this incident, the Lord gets back to handing out rules for the people, how to handle it when people are at odds, specifically. And check this out. Verse 19 says, And if a man cause a blemish in his neighbor, as he hath done, so shall it be done to him. Breach for breach, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, as he hath caused a blemish in a man, so shall it be done to him again. And your hippie college professor, who was most likely trying to denigrate the Bible, might have said to you, an eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind. And if you're a college student, that probably sounded brilliant. But it's not. It's pretty useless, as meaningless platitudes go. Because this was actually a gigantic leap forward in jurisprudence. Because it required reciprocity and proportionality. It required that the punishment should fit the crime. Something we can barely achieve today. Because in every other janky, worldly kingdom in history, the law was basically whatever psychotic, godlike emperor happened to be in charge at the moment while he waited to be murdered for his throne, probably by his son. So good luck getting justice with that crowd. If somebody in the village did you wrong, you could try taking it before the king, and maybe you'd get justice, or maybe he'd kill you for fun. Or maybe he'd kill the whole village and burn it down and take all the women captive. But not with God's people. He says y'all are going to be fair with each other. And in verse 22, that goes for the strangers too. Nobody gets any special treatment under the law, which is another giant leap forward in jurisprudence. The idea that we deserve equal treatment. We definitely ignore that one in our court system. And then chapter 25 talks about the sabbatical system. Verse 3 says, Six years thou shalt sow thy field, but in the seventh year shall be a Sabbath of rest unto the land. They had to let the land rest and lay fallow for a year every seventh year. That's God's approach to crop rotation, but it's also another example of God personifying his creation. God loves what he made right down to the very dirt. So every seven years, just let the land grow what it wants and let whatever animals are out there eat of it. And later on, when they go into captivity, it's partially because they ignored this rule. And God forced them to make it up to the earth by taking them out of the land for as many Sabbath years as they ignored. But we'll get to that. And verse 8 says, And thou shalt number seven Sabbaths of years unto thee, seven times seven years, seven weeks of years, forty-nine years, with the fiftieth year being the year of Jubilee. And here's how it worked. When they get into the promised land, they're going to divide it up by lots, each tribe getting a portion. And you could do what you wanted with the land, more or less. You could rent it or sell it or whatever. But every fiftieth year, it all went back to its original owner or his family. And there was a special dispensation in the law for women next of kin, but there's a story there too, and we'll get to that later. The idea is the land belongs to God, not the Jews. And he's going to give it to whoever he wants to have it. And if they sell it, you got to give it back eventually. Verse 23 says, The land shall not be sold forever, for the land is mine, for ye are strangers and sojourners with me. This world is not our home, basically. And God says, If they follow all this, then during those years when they can't plant, the year before I will command my blessing upon you in the sixth year, and it shall bring forth fruit for three years. So you just put up some preserves and you'll be fine. And the year of Jubilee only applied to villages and fields. If a man sell a dwelling house in a walled city, he's got a year to buy it back. And if it be not redeemed within the space of a full year, then the house that is in that walled city shall be established forever to him that bought it throughout his generations. It shall not go back in the Jubilee. Because most of the houses in cities were occupied by artificers and traders, and their wealth didn't consist in lands. 
They were skilled people. And then he says, if thy brother be waxen poor, then thou shalt relieve him. In other words, give him some money if he needs it. Thou shalt not give him thy money upon usury, nor lend him thy victuals for increase. You can't charge him any interest, and you can't compel him to serve as a bondservant. As a hired servant or a sojourner, that's different. He can do that, but he's only going to serve till the year of Jubilee. Then he goes free. He and his children, they'll depart from thee and return to his own family. For they are my servants, says God, not your slaves. Foreigners maybe, but you're not allowed to enslave other Jews. But we stopped reading at verse 46. And then in the New Testament, we read Mark 10, 13-31. And Jesus is still using the example of children, because they kept bringing their kids to see him and get blessed. And this annoyed the disciples, but that annoyed Jesus. And he said, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not. For of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. In other words, with the temper and spirit of a child, teachable, mild, humble, and free from prejudice and obstinacy, which is what the Barnes commentary says, which tells me Barnes never met any little kids because they're not really any of those things. I think the idea is more like come to Jesus with an innocent sense of wonder, not jaded and mistrustful, but as though everything you see is a miracle because it kind of is. So they walk on a little more, and they meet who we call the rich young ruler. And he loves Jesus, apparently, and kneeled to him, and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And just to mess with us, Jesus says, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. And that was probably his point, because you're God. But then he says, Well, you know all them commandments Moses gave you? Do that. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. The implication being, he knew in his heart that keeping the law was not good enough, or he wouldn't be there all panicky asking for more info. And Matthew records that he actually asked him straight out, What lack I yet? Then Jesus beholding him loved him, because he don't want him to blow it. He's not being spiteful when he tells him next that the one thing he still needs to do is sell whatever thou hast and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. And these are two different things. The first, give away all your stuff, indicates that this guy loved worldly wealth more than Jesus. And the second, take up your cross, indicates that he was unwilling to give up his life of leisure for hardship, or his literal life, and die for Jesus, like all the rest of them did. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. And then Jesus made a comment about how no rich people can go to heaven, which is bad news for everybody on earth, because even the poorest countries are the wealthiest they've ever been. But that's not what he meant, because he clarifies it in the next verse, and says, How hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? And the trusting in riches is the point. It's fine to be wealthy. That won't keep you out of heaven, long as the Lord is the Lord. But it's also a very common ailment among rich people that they start to depend on those riches, and worry what might happen if they lose their riches. And maybe they start thinking about how their wealth actually means something to the universe. And maybe their wealth says something about them. Like maybe they're superior somehow. And now we're back to the whole ye can be as gods thing. Which is why Jesus says it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. I don't think they get it though because in most cultures, including this one that we're in right now, rich people are worshipped. So this blew their minds and they said who then can be saved? And Jesus looks at him and is like, nobody, that's who, can't none of y'all be saved. You're all out of luck. 
but that's why I'm here. Verse 27, And Jesus looking upon them saith, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. And then Peter says, Well, we left everything to follow you. I guess to compare himself to that rich guy that just walked off. And Jesus says, I know, Peter, I was there. (laughs) And anybody who does what you did and leaves it all behind, what you're going to gain from me is a hundredfold better than what you lost. And you get eternal life on top of that. And the verse says he'll gain a hundredfold mothers and sisters, which doesn't happen. You don't get a hundred mothers. That's just not a thing. So he's obviously speaking figuratively. He's talking about the pardon of sin, the favor of God, peace, support in trials and death, and raising up new friends in the place of those who got left behind, like spiritual brethren, sisters and mothers, etc. But verse 31, many that are first shall be last and the last first which is an important but hard-to-understand principle. But that's where we stopped. Okay, now Jesus said, Anyone who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake will get those back 100-fold, including possession. And it's in this life, in this present age. And that's another reason to not talk bad about successful Christians, ministers, ministries, And our family does grow with the kingdom of heaven and the gospel. I mean, here is where those things and relationships can make a difference in ministry, a growing witness in the earth, a family of people totally different that love each other. And then in Psalms, we read Psalm 44, 9 through 26. And that's the second half of this Psalm. And whoever wrote it is talking about some season of disaster he went through. Talking to God, he says, thou goest not forth with our armies. Thou makest us to turn back from the enemy. Thou hast given us like sheep appointed for meat, and hast scattered us among the heathen. And it kind of just goes on like that for a while, till verse 17, where it says, All this has come upon us, yet have we not forgotten thee, neither have we dealt falsely in thy covenant. No matter what, we still praise you, Lord, and we're sticking by you. Yea, for thy sake are we killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Like Job said, Though he may slay me, yet will I trust him. Or like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said to Nebuchadnezzar, God can save us from the fiery furnace, but even if he don't, we still ain't worshiping your janky statue. (laughs) Janky. So why you hide your face, Lord, and forgettest our affliction and our oppression? Arise for our help and redeem us for thy mercy's sake. Yeah, another heartfelt prayer. And then in Proverbs, we read Proverbs 10, 20 and 21. Verse 20 says, The tongue of the just is as choice silver. The heart of the wicked is little worth. That seems pretty straightforward. 21 says, The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for want of wisdom. Basically, if a smart person is trying to teach you something, listen. (laughs) Whatever he tells you will help you get fed later. And there's a principle that in any kind of survival situation, like a plane crash in the wilderness, for example, 10% of the people will step up and be leaders 80% will follow, and 10% will actively work against this group, either with like panic or pride or anger or whatever. 10% will get you killed. And I think that's kind of the point of that verse. Yeah, and I'm looking at it this way. Jesus is our righteousness, so our word should be choice silver, giving life to many. But that's the end of our review of yesterday's study. Thanks for your help, babe. Our reading in the Old Testament is Leviticus twenty-five forty-seven through twenty-seven thirteen. And if a sojourner or stranger wax rich by thee, 
and thy brother that dwelleth by him wax poor, and sell himself unto the stranger or sojourner by thee, or to the stock of the stranger's family? After that he is sold, he may be redeemed again. One of his brethren may redeem him. Either his uncle or his uncle's son may redeem him, or any that is nigh of kin unto him of his family may redeem him. Or if he be able, he may redeem himself. And he shall reckon with him that bought him from the year that he was sold to him unto the year of Jubilee. And the price of his sale shall be according unto the number of years. According to the time of an hired servant shall it be with him. If there be yet many years behind, according unto them he shall give again the price of his redemption out of the money that he was bought for. And if there remain but a few years unto the year of Jubilee, then he shall count with him, and according unto his years he shall give him again the price of his redemption. And as a yearly hired servant shall he be with him, and the other shall not rule with rigor over him in thy sight. And if he be not redeemed in these years, then he shall go out in the year of Jubilee, both he and his children with him. For unto me the children of Israel are servants. They are my servants whom I brought forth out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Chapter 26 Ye shall make you no idols nor graven image, neither rear you up a standing image, neither shall ye set up any image of stone in your land to bow down unto it. For I am the Lord your God. Ye shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If ye walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, then I will give you rain in due season, and the land shall yield her increase, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. And your threshing shall reach unto the vintage, and the vintage shall reach unto the sowing time. And ye shall eat your bread to the full, and dwell in your land safely. And I will give peace in the land, and ye shall lie down, and none shall make you afraid. And I will rid evil beasts out of the land, neither shall the sword go through your land. And ye shall chase your enemies, and they shall fall before you by the sword. And five of you shall chase an hundred, and an hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. And your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. For I will have respect unto you, and make you fruitful, and multiply you, and establish my covenant with you. And ye shall eat old store, and bring forth the old because of the new. And I will set my tabernacle among you, and my soul shall not abhor you. And I will walk among you, and will be your God. And ye shall be my people. I am the Lord your God, which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt, that ye should not be their bondmen. And I have broken the bands of your yoke, and made you go upright. But if ye will not hearken unto me, and will not do all these commandments, and if ye shall despise my statutes, or if your soul abhor my judgments, so that ye will not do all my commandments, but that ye break my covenant, I also will do this unto you. I will even appoint over you terror, consumption, and the burning ague, that shall consume the eyes, and cause sorrow of heart. And ye shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemies shall eat it. And I will set my face against you, and ye shall be slain before your enemies. They that hate you shall reign over you, and ye shall flee when none pursueth you. And if ye will not yet for all this hearken unto me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. And I will break the pride of your power, and I will make your heaven as iron, and your earth as brass. And your strength shall be spent in vain, for your land shall not yield her increase, neither shall the trees of the land yield their fruits. And if ye walk contrary unto me, and will not hearken unto me, I will bring seven times more plagues upon you according to your sins. I will also send wild beasts among you, which shall rob you of your children, and destroy your cattle, and make you few in number. And your highways shall be desolate. And if ye will not be reformed by me by these things, but will walk contrary unto me, then I will also walk contrary unto you, and will punish you yet seven times for your sins. And I will bring a sword upon you that shall avenge the quarrel of my covenant. And when ye are gathered together within your cities, I will send the pestilence among you, and ye shall be delivered into the hand of the enemy. 
And when I have broken the staff of your bread, ten women shall bake your bread in one oven, and they shall deliver you your bread again by weight, and ye shall eat and not be satisfied. And if ye will not for all this hearken unto me, but walk contrary to me, then I will walk contrary to you also in fury. And I, even I, will chastise you seven times for your sins. And ye shall eat the flesh of your sons, and the flesh of your daughters shall ye eat. And I will destroy your high places, and cut down your images, and cast your carcasses upon the carcasses of your idols. And my soul shall abhor you. And I will make your cities waste, and bring your sanctuaries unto desolation. And I will not smell the savor of your sweet odors. And I will bring the land into desolation, and your enemies which dwell therein shall be astonished at it. And I will scatter you among the heathen, and will draw out a sword after you, and your land shall be desolate, and your cities waste. Then shall the land enjoy her Sabbaths, as long as it lieth desolate, and ye be in your enemy's land. Even then shall the land rest, and enjoy her Sabbaths. As long as it lieth desolate, it shall rest, because it did not rest in your Sabbaths when ye dwelt upon it. And upon them that are left alive of you, I will send a faintness into their hearts in the lands of their enemies, and the sound of a shaken leaf shall chase them, and they shall flee as fleeing from a sword, and they shall fall when none pursueth, and they shall fall one upon another, as it were before a sword when none pursueth. And ye shall have no power to stand before your enemies, and ye shall perish among the heathen, and the land of your enemies shall eat you up, and they that are left of you shall pine away in their iniquity in your enemies' lands." and also in the iniquities of their fathers shall they pine away with them. If they shall confess their iniquity, and the iniquity of their fathers with their trespass, which they trespassed against me, and that also they have walked contrary unto me, and that I also have walked contrary unto them, and have brought them into the land of their enemies, if their uncircumcised hearts be humbled, and they then accept of the punishment of their iniquity, then will I remember my covenant with Jacob, and also my covenant with Isaac, and also my covenant with Abraham will I remember, and I will remember the land. The land also shall be left of them, and shall enjoy her Sabbaths while she lieth desolate without them. And they shall accept of the punishment of their iniquity, because, even because, they despise my judgments, and because their soul abhorred my statutes. And yet for all that, when they be in the land of their enemies, I will not cast them away, neither will I abhor them to destroy them utterly, and to break my covenant with them, for I am the Lord their God. But I will for their sakes remember the covenant of their ancestors, whom I brought forth out of the land of Egypt in the sight of the heathen, that I might be their God. I am the Lord. These are the statutes and judgments and laws which the Lord made between him and the children of Israel in Mount Sinai by the hand of Moses. Chapter 27 And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When a man shall make a singular vow, the person shall be for the Lord by thy estimation. And thy estimation shall be of the male from twenty years old, even unto sixty years old. Even thy estimation shall be fifty shekels of silver, after the shekel of the sanctuary. And if it be a female, then thy estimation shall be thirty shekels. And if it be from five years old, even unto twenty years old, then thy estimation shall be of the male twenty shekels, and for the female ten shekels. And if it be from a month old, even unto five years old, then thy estimation shall be of the male five shekels of silver, and for the female thy estimation shall be three shekels of silver. And if it be from sixty years old and above, if it be a male, then thy estimation shall be fifteen shekels, and for the female ten shekels. But if he be poorer than thy estimation, then he shall present himself before the priest, and the priest shall value him. According to his ability that vowed shall the priest value him. And if it be a beast, whereof men bring an offering unto the Lord, all that any man giveth of such unto the Lord shall be holy. He shall not alter it, nor change it, a good for a bad, or a bad for a good. And if he shall at all change beast for beast, then it and the exchange thereof shall be holy. And if it be any unclean beast, of which they do not offer a sacrifice unto the Lord, then he shall present the beast before the priest, and the priest shall value it, whether it be good or bad, as thou valuest it, who art the priest, so shall it be. 
But if he will at all redeem it, then he shall add a fifth part thereof unto thy estimation. Our reading in the New Testament for March 2nd is Mark 10.32-52. through 52. And they were in the way going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus went before them, and they were amazed. And as they followed, they were afraid. And he took again the twelve, and began to tell them what things should happen unto him, saying, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests, and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles. And they shall mock him, and shall scourge him, and shall spit upon him, and shall kill him. And the third day he shall rise again. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come unto him, saying, Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we shall desire. And he said unto them, What would ye that I should do for you? They said unto him, Grant unto us that we may sit, one on thy right hand, and the other on thy left hand, in thy glory. But Jesus said unto them, Ye know not what ye ask. Can ye drink of the cup that I drink of, and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said unto him, We can. And Jesus said unto them, Ye shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of, and with the baptism that I am baptized with all shall ye be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be much displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to him, and saith unto them, Ye know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister." And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. And they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side, begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Our reading in Psalms for March 2nd is Psalm 45, 1-17. To the chief musician upon Shoshanim, for the sons of Korah, Maskeel, a song of loves. My heart is indicting a good matter. I speak of the things which I have made touching the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Thou art fairer than the children of men. Grace is poured into thy lips. Therefore God hath blessed thee forever. Gird thy sword upon thy thigh, O most mighty with thy glory and thy majesty, and in thy majesty ride prosperously because of truth and meekness and righteousness, and thy right hand shall teach thee terrible things. Thine arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies, whereby the people fall under thee. Thy throne, O God, is for ever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. Thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness. Therefore God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. All thy garments smell of myrrh and aloes and cassia, out of the ivory palaces whereby they have made thee glad. King's daughters were among thy honorable women. Upon thy right hand did stand the queen of gold of Ophir. Hearken, O daughter, and consider and incline thine ear. Forget also thine own people and thy father's house. So shall the king greatly desire thy beauty, for he is thy lord, and worship thou him. And the daughter of Tyre shall be there with a gift. Even the rich among the people shall entreat thy favor. The king's daughter is all glorious within. Her clothing is of wrought gold. She shall be brought unto the king in raiment of needlework. 
The virgins or companions that follow her shall be brought unto thee. With gladness and rejoicing shall they be brought. They shall enter into the king's palace. Instead of thy fathers shall be thy children, whom thou mayest make princes in all the earth. I will make thy name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore shall the people praise thee for ever and ever. And our reading in Proverbs for March 2nd is Proverbs 10.22. The blessing of the Lord it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. And that is that for March 2nd. All right, y'all, let's do our 30-second meditation. Today's prayer is about 1 John 2.15, which says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So hit the 30-second back button on your podcast player a few times and meditate with me for a little while on serving God in righteousness. Because prayer is the heavy artillery in the armor of God. So if you're ready, let's go. Father God, we pray that our behavior and lifestyles reflect you alone. We don't want to waste our lives chasing worldly desires because the world offers only fleeting, unsatisfying things. We seek you because you offer abundant life. Though your word says our righteousness is as filthy rags, we know we are able to act in holiness because of the righteousness imparted to us by your Son, and we are grateful that when we stumble, you are able to return us to your side if we but repent. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, that's all the Bible yawling I got for you tonight. Thank you, Father, for letting us study your word and for the gift of salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ. Please bless and keep everybody listening and let this podcast be helpful to them somehow. Amen. You can find us on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Google CastBox, and Facebook. If you like what we're doing and you want to support it, best thing y'all can do is to pray for me and Bible Y'all Squall and all our friends and family. And if you got any prayer requests, email them to BibleYallPodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, just go on out and try to make the world a better place. And y'all know how the rest of that goes. Thanks, everybody, and God bless y'all. Hey, Bible, y'all. Like a six-pound tortilla, kind of. Tortilla. <laughs> How do you pronounce it? Tortilla. Oh. <laughs> well, I'll fix that then. Like a six-pound tortilla, kind of. Is that better? Oh, way better. <laughs> I might just leave it in. I thought you were doing that on purpose. <laughs> tortilla. Tortilla. There's no Leah. Well, it's Mexican. (laughs) Okay.